If you guys have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be going through our study tonight. Um, We already looked at theology. We looked at doctrine. And uh, now we're going to be moving to that second section here in Ephesians, really dealing with what we know. And and, uh, you can have all the knowledge in the Bible uh, but if you don't apply it, it's really good for nothing, right? It's it's like uh, it's like sitting there on your couch in your house, and all of a sudden the house is on fire. And if you don't get up and get out, then you're toast, right? <laughs> it's, you got to apply the knowledge, right? Um, kind of like uh, you know, knowing that that's a skunk, and then you know running away from the skunk that's wisdom right so we got to apply the word everything that we've been learning uh, it's amazing that there could be people in church like a church like this even uh, that could be here for 30 40 50 years and still not know the word of God and that's sad Uh, and it's because they don't choose to apply it if that's the case Um, So today is all about uh, applying the word of God to our own hearts and also the rest of the next chapter, chapter 5, chapter 6 as well. Uh, And really chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, there's a a common uh, key word uh, throughout the next three chapters and that is uh, the word walk. In fact, if you're there in Ephesians with me, look at verse 1. It says, I therefore... Uh, Paul says, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling. Uh, And in the book of verse 17, skip down to verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Uh, Look down at verse 2 of chapter 5. Verse 2 of chapter 5, it says, And walk in love. Uh, Look down at verse 8. It says in the middle right here in verse 8 of chapter 5, walk as children of light. Uh, Go down to verse 15. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly. So uh, obviously you can tell over and over it's talking about our walk. That's the key theme. Chapter 6 is talking about walking uh, victoriously, right? What we have in Christ Jesus. So let's go ahead and read uh, with that in mind. And uh, let's look at what our passage is, is talking about here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, I, this is Paul speaking, therefore uh, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering. Bearing with one another in love and endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. 
Then he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share because causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Woo! Should we stop there or should we, keep, we should just keep going, huh? This, this is already like, wow! Um, so our topic today is to walk worthy, right? Uh, going back to verse 1, uh, Paul is, he's really setting the stage for us right here, right? For this thought. And Paul starts off similarly, if, if you guys remember in chapter 3, verse 1, he said, uh, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. And so very, very similar. His imprisonment, if you guys remember, is not in Rome, uh, although it was in Rome, but it wasn't onto Rome. It, it was onto Christ. It was for the gospel's sake, right? Uh, it was for the believers, really. Then he says, I beseech you, I beg you, I, I plead with you, is the, the idea here. Verse 1, Paul's encouraging us to walk worthy of the calling in which we are called, right? And, and so he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So there's four things about this calling uh, that I kind of note. I'm pretty sure it's probably a lot more. Uh, but I, I kind of noted here that you and I have uh, four things about this calling. Number one, it's holy. I get that from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace in which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And secondly, I noticed that it's a high calling. Uh, according to Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Paul says, I press toward uh, the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, number three, it's a humble calling. This calling that we have in Christ Jesus is a humble one. 1 Corinthians 1.26, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And so, fourth, it's a heavenly calling. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling... Consider the, and then it goes on, right, about the, our confession in Christ Jesus. But, um, by the way, this word walk, it's mentioned 98 times in the New Testament. It means, you know, to move forward, to progress, right? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Our walk with the Lord, it's not a dance. It's not a, you know, you step forward and you step back. Take one step this way, one step back, right? It's not like that. It's, it's a walk. We're continually going forward 
in Christ Jesus, right? We're, we're leaving the past behind. We're leaving our, our sins and the world that we lived in, right? Our lifestyle behind. And we're walking forward in Christ. So how is that all done? How, what practically, how do we do that? Well, that, today we're going to get a good idea of what that all entails and what that means. But we're taking opportunity. We're taking everything that's coming our way, um, and we're giving it onto the Lord. We're walking onto the Lord in a worthy manner. And we're maturing in our walks with the Lord. So today we want to see nine things uh, that will be manifested in our lives if indeed we are walking uh, a worthy to the calling that he's called us in. Uh, number one, it involves lowliness. Lowliness. Notice in verse two, it says, with all lowliness. Um, this word lowliness is a compound word. In other words, there's two words that make up one word. Uh, in the Greek, uh, it's mentioned seven times, by the way, in the New Testament. But the first part of that word carries the idea of the heart, right? The second part of the word carries the idea of low to the ground. So, in other words, our hearts should be low to the ground. Kind of like David, if you guys remember what David said in uh, Psalm 51, he said that the Lord is near to those who are of a broken heart, of a contrite spirit, right? Um, and it's so true that as Christians, we are to have a humble heart. Uh, it makes sense to me because that was the only way you could have became a Christian, right? You can't become a Christian with pride. You can't buy your salvation, right? Like, oh, and I want that too. Eternal life, yep, give me that, give me that, right? That No, you came to Christ because you came broken, right? You had to humble yourself. In other words, you humble yourself in the beginning and you stay humble, right? That's, that's our calling. Uh, by the way, turn with me to Philippians to your right. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, when we walk worthy of our calling, it's going to be manifested in our lives in lowliness, in humility, right? But our problem is we think it's all about us, don't we? And, and, but it's not about us. It's about others, right? So Philippians chapter 2, uh, look at verse 3. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness, there's our word, of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So this is in our minds. we got to control the mind. Allow your mindset, your thoughts, right? The things that are happening here, not to be boastful and, and all about yourself, but lowliness in mind, uh, esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Skip down to verse 8. It says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And so Jesus is clearly our example. If you guys remember uh, with the disciples, right? He's been teaching them for three years. He's, he's walking with, they're doing miracles. They're doing stuff with that they never thought that they would ever do, right? They're being used by the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, one of the last lessons is uh, Jesus would begin to just wash their feet. 
He gets down and Peter's like, what are you doing, right? <laughs> Not me, Lord, right? And he did that whole thing. Uh, well, if you guys remember in John 13, verse 15, uh, Jesus says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. He's talking about a servant, servant's heart, basically, right? Being considering others, blessing others, right? Uh, coming alongside others. And in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So if we have our a daily life, right, with Jesus, our relationship with the Lord. If we're daily getting in the word of God, uh, we're, we're seeking the Lord, we're in prayer, uh, it's going to be displayed in our lives through lowliness. We're going to have this humble heart, right? Uh, naturally, it's going to come out of us. And um, by the way, do this in your marriage and you'll be blessed, right? Take on this mindset. Uh, consider during this study as well, in your relationships nearest you, right? How can you come alongside them? How, you know, we just learned servanthood is a blessing. Uh, secondly, uh, it involves gentleness, gentleness. Notice in verse two, uh, it says in gentleness. And so uh, gentleness means mild or uh, meek. It's the opposite of revenge. And so meekness, by the way, it's not weakness, right? It is strength under constraint so it's being it's being held back if you will right it has power to do whatever it wants but it's it's holding back right uh, by the way turn with me to Romans chapter 12 go to your left Romans chapter 12 um, gentleness simply means not getting even right not retaliating it's 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 resisting yourself right you know you can just you're like oh man i could take you out right now right <laughs> but it's like i'm not gonna do that i'm i'm just gonna breathe right now and let you do your thing so you don't retaliate romans chapter 12 look at verse 17 it says repay no one evil for evil verse 17 have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, guys, are, are people worth more than your revenge? Consider it. They are. Jesus thought so. He went to the cross for people, right? Um, we like this last statement, right? You'll heap coals of fire on their head, right? And you're like, yeah, sign me up, right? You're, when you're considering your enemy, you, of course you want to heap coals of fire on their head, right? But the idea is, in ancient times, the idea was, you know, you're, it's winter time, it's cold out, right? And they got their fireplace, and then the fire goes out, and they're like, oh, man. And a coal could be just a little, you know, little coal, little little piece to start up the fire again. They, could, they didn't have convenient stores like us where you can just go get matches and right? So they go to their neighbor, and if you were the enemy, right, uh, your enemy comes to your door, and you're like, oh, what do you, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning, right? 
the idea is, and back then they would carry everything on their head, don't just give them a little piece of coal, right, in their hand and be like, hurry up and go to your house before it goes out. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Oh, I went out. Sorry. Go to another neighbor, right? Don't let them, don't send them off angry at you. Rather send them off being blessed, right? In other words, get that bucket, right? If they don't got one, give them one, right? And just fill that thing up with all your firewood, right? That's all heated up with the hot coal. And it's going to be so much so that they have to put it on their head and then they're going to walk over to their house all happy and there's no way that thing's going to blow out, right? So that's what the idea is. Send them off, bless your enemy, right? Your enemy hates you, bless them. Um, I don't like that message either. You guys, you guys, no, nobody's saying amen here. Are you guys awake? Are you guys good? Are we okay? All right. I don't like it. Let's just close our Bibles. All right, we're good. All right. But anyways, I think of Jesus, right? He could have easily, when he was on the cross, he could have easily destroyed everybody, right? He could have sent down legions of angels and... But he didn't do that. Why? Because he was long-suffering toward us, right? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, it says, take, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I always want to sing that song. You guys, I hear Eric singing this song. Once I read this verse, it's like, oh, I want to sing it now. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I love that. Um, But let's come back to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's come to the third thing here. It involves long-suffering. Long-suffering. And notice in verse 2, it says, with long-suffering. So long-suffering, that's forbearance, that's endurance, that's perseverance, right? And it's being in a hurry and you know, catching those red lights, that was me this morning. I was at work, and then I had to take off to go back home and grab something to go take to the bank. And, and then, but every red light I was catching, I was like, really? Seriously? And the Lord's like reminding me of this passage. And I was like, oh, yeah. All right. All right. Just do your work, Lord. It's fine. A train? Really? Seriously? It's stopping right in front of me. Why is it stopping? It's a, have you guys ever done that? Has a God ever, if you're like, Lord, give me patience, he'll give you patience all right. <laughs> you'll experience the same stuff. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, anyways, bearing with one another in love, uh, this statement is basically amplifying the, 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 the meaning of long-suffering, right? So we're, we're not just to be long-suffering with people, uh, but bearing with them in a really long manner, right? So uh, not, it doesn't matter how dumb they are either, right? You bear with them because you got to be long-suffering toward them. No matter what insane things that they do or uh, where to put up with them, where to be long-suffering toward them, uh, according to verse 2, and that is with love, be long-suffering toward them with love. So it's not because I have to, it's because I love you. I'm going to long-suffer alongside you, right? So that word love, by the way, is that agape word, uh, which is the selfless, spiritual, sacrificial type of love, the only love that you can't even receive unless you are born again, unless you have the Holy Spirit in your life, unless you became a Christian, right? You have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, And so it's amazing. So you and I need to bear with those 
people that get us so angry, right? <laughs> and, and, and you'll have a walk worthy of the calling that we have in Christ Jesus. Think about your relationship in your marriage, right? Um, consider them opportunity to, to grow, opportunity to give glory to the Lord uh, in, in all those kind of situations that you go through. Um, the Bible says in Second Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I am so glad uh, that <laughs> that the Lord is long-suffering toward me, right? Uh, more so to all of us, and especially toward our family, right? And that they're still alive, and, and he doesn't want to just wipe them out, right? Those that don't believe in him. He's long-suffering, yet giving them opportunity uh, to come to him and have salvation. And I love that about the Lord. Um, let's come back to Ephesians. Look at chapter 4. Look at verse 3. The fourth thing here it involves is unity. Unity. This is that oneness uh, that we have. Notice in verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So endeavoring, (laughs) endeavoring, I practiced that word actually for you guys. Uh, It means to work at, right, or strive for, or to be mindful of the unity that you and I have as brothers and sisters in the Lord, right? The unity that we all share in. And this whole idea of the unity that we have is illustrated in the triunity of, if you, <clears throat> if you will, of the Godhead. <clears throat> in verses 4 through 6, this idea of unity is really illustrated through the, the work of the Holy Spirit in verse 4, through the work of the Son in verse 5, and through the work of the Father in verse 6. Uh, now, in verse 4, the work of the Holy Spirit, um, there, it says in verse 4 that there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. So it's the work of the Spirit that really draws us, right? That um, allows us to abide in him. And, and the, the Holy Spirit comes upon us to what? To convict us of what? Sin, righteousness, of judgment. And, and when we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. He's the one who's guiding us and directing us, who's even giving us words when we don't have words to say to the Lord. And, and then here we are just, you know, uttering those words onto him. It's pretty amazing, the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, Fifth, the verse five, it's the work of the Son. It says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So there's unity in the body because there's one faith, right? In one Lord. And we don't have different faiths and different lords, right? No such thing. But the result of this one faith is one baptism. And so, um, so, and our Lord, you guys remember, our Lord gave us the, the commandment, and you guys are all probably thinking about it. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
So in this command, there is actually one imperative, uh, and, and that's to make disciples, right? And there are three participles, if you will, uh, that tell us really how to make disciples. So how are we going to do that, Lord? Well, here it is. He, he throws it all out for us. Number one, by going. Number two, by baptizing. Number three, by teaching, right? That's the idea here. So water baptism by the way, it's commanded in the Bible. Did you guys know that? If you're not baptized uh, in water baptism and you're saved, it's something that we're commanded to do. Um, you guys remember the, the, day, the day of Pentecost there in the upper room? There's the 120 men. Um, the Holy Spirit came upon them. There's the people outside, right? And they, they, they talk to Peter and they're, you know, they, they, they're cut to the heart, right? And, and they, they say, what do we do? And Peter says to them, he says in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So um, obviously water baptism does not save us, but we're baptized in water baptism because we are saved, right? We just do it because it's, we're, we're commanded to do it. Um, Let's come to the sixth thing here. Uh, the verse six, the work of the Father. Let's look at the work of the Father. It says in verse six, one, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So did you guys catch the wording there? It says, who is above all, so speaking of his preeminence, through all, speaking of his position, and in you all, speaking of his power. I love that. Um, by the way, the word one is actually used seven times in verses four through six, which is interesting because that alone speaks of the unity uh, alone right there, all in one. So interesting. But the point is Paul's bringing up this idea about unity, and it's illustrated through the triunity of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? And the, the three persons, uh, separate person, right, with the three separate ministries, yet they're all one. How is that? I, I, I could get so caught up in the Trinity, and there's so much about it where it's like, wait, he's one, the three and one. First John 5, 7 is very clear, um, that says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Uh, we got to understand that he is one. Um, let's come to the fifth thing here, talking about having a walk worthy of our calling. It involves gifts, gifts. Notice in verse 7 through 12, um, it says in verse 7, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So there are four Greek words, by the way, in the New Testament uh, for the one word that we have in our English, for the, and that's gift, right? Um, but in verse 7, uh, has two of the words. So grace is the English word or, uh, for gift, and that's charis, right? Charis, that's unmerited favor, getting what we don't deserve. Uh, the second word is Christ's gift. Christ's gift, that's the second word, that's the doria. Uh, it's always, always speaking of Christ's gift, the gift either being Christ or the gift coming from Christ. 
And throughout the Bible, when this word is used, it's always speaking about um, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being the gift giver, if you will, or, or the gift them, himself, right? Speaking of him being the gift. So either or. The third usage of this word is actually in verse 8. Uh, it says gifts to men. And that's speaking of the doma. The doma, speaking of the office of the gift, uh, not necessarily the gift itself, uh, but it speaks of the office uh, uh, in which a person holds in manifesting that gift. And, and we'll, we'll see this gift in verse 11. And we're going to talk about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, right, the pastor teachers. So those are the doma gifts uh, that, or the office gifts, if you will. And so the fourth gift is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. And Paul's, he's, he's listing this, these uh, gifts for us of the Holy Spirit. And so that word gift is charisma there. So did you guys catch that? There's four different uh, wordings for the word gift in the Greek. In English, we only have one word for the word gift, and it's gift. <laughs> so uh, that's where we get our word charismatic, though, the, the, the charisma, charismatic. By the way, Calvary Chapel is charismatic. Did you guys know that? We believe that the gifts are for today and to be used for today, um, and, and very interesting. But we, however, we are... How should I say it? We're not charismaniacs, right? <laughs> we believe that the gifts are to be used in order. Uh, we believe that everything that God does, we serve a God of order. And so everything that he gives ought to be used decently and in order, right? So, um, so Paul, he basically lists these, in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, he's listing seven charismatic gifts, or seven primary gifts, if you will, um, and, and often referred to as the main gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, so very interesting. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So he's basically saying the same thing in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. And I just I mentioned this on purpose because you notice that in both of those chapters... Uh, in verses, the word gift is in italics. What does that mean? It's not there in the original text. What is it really saying then? Paul is simply saying, I do not want you to be ignorant of spirituals, is really the idea of what he's saying here. So the word gift is not even used there at all. And so the word spiritual comes from the root word pneuma. That's where we get our word uh, pneumatic, right? Driven by air or our pneumatic tools, right? They're used with air and so it means wind it means breath in other words these are the gifts that you can't even use or touch without the holy spirit in your your heart within your life without god doing the work through you so let me let me back up a little bit put this all together there's so much i just jumped on then i was just scratching the surface on some of them obviously we can spend the whole night talking about just one of these areas um, Jesus Christ gives gifts not based on our performance so I just want to throw that out there um, that's the that's the charis right it's unmerited uh, favor getting what we don't deserve and he also gives us the doma the office if you will type gifts uh, that are to be exercised that's the apostles the prophets the uh, evangelists the uh, pastor teachers and we when we hold one of these offices, we are then exercising one of the seven uh, primary gifts, if you will, of the Spirit, according to Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through, or 6 through 8. 
Um, so the operation of those gifts are realized through the varieties of the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. I'm only saying this if you guys are taking notes. This is for you note takers. But so seven primary um, gifts for uh, uh, primary offices. And so uh, when we exercise those gifts, we're, we're manifesting them in different ways, basically a variety of different ways. So that's the, a brief really rundown of the gifts of the Spirit there. And so let's go back to our text here. Actually speaking of these gifts, there's three things that we want to go over tonight in dealing with these gifts uh, that Jesus gives us. Number one, let's look at when Jesus gave these gifts. When Jesus gave these gifts, according to verses 8 through 10, uh, it says in verse 8, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This is talking about that doma, right? The doma gifts, the office gifts. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things so jesus went down into the lower parts of the earth right in verse 9 and we know by the way uh matthew chapter 12 verse 38 it says uh then some of the scribes and the pharisees answered saying teacher we want to see a sign from you but he answered and said to them an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth so now when Jesus went to the heart of the earth uh, he went to Sheol. That's the Old Testament word uh, for grave. The New Testament word is uh, Hades, right? We, we refer to it as Hades. So understand this. Hades had two compartments, right, before the cross. And one side was the abode of the dead. That's where the, the wailing and the gnashing of the teeth are. The other side is the good side, if you will. We call it uh, paradise or Abraham's bosom. In Luke chapter 16, you guys remember, there's the um, Jesus is talking about Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, he's talking about that, that, that section there. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he went directly to paradise. And how do I know that? Well, if you remember before he did, he was talking to the thief on the cross and he said, you know, you'll be with me in paradise. Surely today you'll be with me. He didn't say in three days from now we'll be in paradise. He said today, which means that moment, that day, today, right? They, they were there. And by the way, according to First Peter chapter 3, verse 19, what did he do? He went and preached uh, to those who were in prison. And those who received him, they entered into heaven just like we enter into heaven, and that is by faith, right, that they entered in. So he didn't free the bad side of hell, if you will, um, but the good side. So then he led them up to the third heaven, if you will, uh, which is now paradise, according to First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. So uh, very, very interesting. There's a lot there as well. But let's come to the second thing here. Now let's look at who... Did Jesus give these gifts to? Uh, there are four of them. 
verse 11 that's really outlined for us here. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Uh, apostles, ones who are sent out, right? They're, they're the messengers, if you will. Uh, prophets, now in the Old Testament, the prophet uh, was the one who foretold the word of God, right? So he, he was saying, thus saith the Lord, or a new revelation, basically. And, and now we don't have prophets today in that sense, right? But since the canon of scripture has been closed and there's no new revelation by God, if you will. Uh, you guys remember last time we talked, I said, there's nothing. If it's new, it's not true, right? And that's the kind of the idea here. Uh, everything we need to know is in the word of God. It's, 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 it's here, it's sealed up. And so a prophet, in a general sense, is one who is uh, uh, telling the existing word of God, right? And so speaking forth the existing word, and what does that bring? Well, it brings us comfort, it brings us encouragement. And so uh, there's the evangelist, the bringer of the good news of the gospel, right? One who has a passion and desire uh, to, to talk about what Christ has done for you and I. And so uh, there's also the pastor-teacher, by the way, this, this is the, uh, the overseer, the, the shepherd, if you will, one who watches over the flock, one who protects over the flock, uh, one who serves the flock, right? And pastor-teacher is one office. It's the doma office, right? It's one office. Uh, now, and I know some people separate it. There are pastors, and then here's the teachers, um, and I can explain to you later about why uh, if you look at the grammar there, uh, it's, it's really putting them in one. Uh, but pastor teachers one office. And um, it's interesting because I know pastors that love people, but some of them don't know how to teach. <laughs> and I know some teachers who love to teach, but they hate people. And it's like, how does that work, right? But I don't know. There's, there's the, the gifts there. Um, and obviously, it's a calling by God. It's not something that you go and put a resume in, right? It's something that God puts on your heart. I remember when I was about uh, 12, 13 years old, um, and it wasn't until, you know, the Lord just, you, I, I just read, you gave my life to the Lord, dedicated my life, uh, surrendered and started growing in the Lord, you know, and just seeking the word. Just, you know, I was in my room. Uh, my family, you know, that, that are here, they could attest to that, that I would literally lock myself in the room and I would just read the Bible all day long. Just read and I'd pray and that's, I just wanted to know the Lord. And and eventually, uh, my youth pastor one day just came up and said, hey, uh, you're, you're going to be teaching this Sunday. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, you got it, man. You know, whatever, right? Like, that's not going to happen. And, and, but I told him yes, right? And then I show up Sunday and he's not there. And everybody's like, hey, you're teaching, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> is he kidding? What, what? Right? I had no clue. And this is, you know, I'm talking about maybe 150 students in the, the youth group there. And, uh, and I'm in, what, eighth grade or so. I'm about the same age as this. So my face is like, right? You guys seen my face, right, when it's red. But it was red. And uh, But I remember as I was going through the world, I was just sharing what the Lord spoke to me that morning in my devotional time with him. And uh, But as I did, there was almost that still, small voice of the Lord just saying, this is what I've called you to. 
And of course, I was arguing and yelling at him like, ha ha, whatever, that's not going to happen. But eventually, as every, and this was every single week that I started teaching after that, and, and uh, now it's been like 20 years ago that's, that was, and been teaching ever since. But uh, that's where the Lord spoke to me. And as I was going, as months went on, uh, it was a calling, that, a desire, a passion that the Lord put on my heart. So anyways... Um, let's keep going here. I also believe as we, as the, uh, the church, we hold one of these four offices. Uh, I also believe all of us have at least one of the seven primary gifts, going back to the gifts here, in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. And understand, you know, all of us are like apostles in a sense uh, to where we are called out ones, right? We are messengers. All of us are like the prophets in a sense that we're speaking uh, forth the existing word of God to others. All of us should be evangelists. We should be giving the gospel as well. Um, uh, we're, we should be like pastor teachers, right? In a sense where we should be teaching the word of God to whether it be your children, whether it to be your, your, your coworkers, whoever you're, you're talking to, as we're fellowshipping, what, what's happening in our fellowship, right? We, we speak the word. We just can't help it. We're going to mention the word of God if you're hanging out with other Christians. And so the word's going to go forward and we should be, we should be, uh, learning and growing, right? Uh, through the word with each other. But let's come to the third thing here. Let's look at why he gave the gifts. Why he gave the gifts. Uh, in verse 12, he gives us three reasons why he gave these gifts. Number one, it's for equipping. Notice in verse 12, he says, for the equipping of the saints. And so equipping means perfecting, means bringing into completion. And so the gifts and offices that you and I hold, are they're not for us, right? Understand that, first of all, before we keep going. It's for others, right? It's not about us. These gifts are not to benefit us. And so the, for, it's for the equipping of others, for the um, perfecting of the saints, right? And so question how do you and I uh, uh, perfect or equip others through the gifts or offices that we have? Uh, well, there's one way, and it's through the word of God, right? It's the only way. It's the word of God that we are built up upon, right? Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So it's not about what we feel or what we think. It's about the word of God. Amen, church? Are we guys still awake? You guys still with me? All right, good. Um, Secondly, let's keep going here. It's for working. Uh, notice in verse 12, it says, for the work of ministry. So ministry here means servant, by the way. Uh, when you and I are walking worthy of the calling that we have in Christ Jesus, you and I will be serving the Lord. We're servants of the Lord, right? And it's going to be manifested in our hearts and lives. And so uh, the third thing here, or the next one, is for the edifying uh, it's for edifying. Notice in verse 12, 
for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so we don't come to church because it's the right thing to do or anything like that. We come for the simplicity uh, of the word of God, the teaching through the word of God. We, we come for the word, right? That we can be equipped uh, for the work of the ministry as servants of Christ. We wanna know how we can you know, work onto the Lord. And so we draw near by the word of God. Uh, and so um, I love that. And, and let's come to the, the sixth thing here. Let's go back to our, our list. I said there were nine. Uh, it involves maturity. Notice in verse 13, it says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. By the way, the word perfect here means uh, mature, right? It means uh, a, a full age, basically. And so when we come to Christ, we're, we're babies in Christ, right? Um, and, and as we grow in the word of God, we begin to mature as believers, right? And we become, you know, mature believers. But there's a problem. So in other words, it's really cute when I see a little baby with the pacifier in its mouth, right? It's, oh, look at the little baby. But if you're 50 years old, you're living with your mom and dad, and you are still got a pacifier in your mouth, right? There's something wrong, totally wrong there. I don't know. Um, but but it's, it's just, I don't know. But so as Christians, that's where how we start. As little babies, but we're not to stay babies, right? Just physically, we understand that idea. But physically, spiritually, there is a lot of people that have been in church for years, and they're still doing this, right? <laughs> You're all, how are you doing? Goo goo gaga, <laughs> right? It's like, oh man, have you been in the Word lately? But anyways, notice the end of verse thirteen. Jesus Christ is the one. Uh, that we should be measuring ourselves up to. Did you guys catch that? We, we can never measure up to him, obviously, here on earth. Um, it means, in other words, we're constantly growing. We're constantly maturing, right, in him. And it's, it's a good thing. Um, let's come to the seventh thing here, back in Ephesians 4. Uh, it involves stability. Stability. Notice in verse 14, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, uh, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So the only way we can be stable, and we know this, is through the word of God. And, and we need to be, we need to have the stability in our lives, and it doesn't come through, you know, our own ability. It doesn't come through our own power, or our own strength. It comes through His spirit right it comes it's through the word of God the more we're in the word the more we're going to be stable in our walk with the Lord and it comes through the simple teaching really of the word of God so that's how we grow that's how we mature that's how uh it's the rock in which we build upon right it's the word of God and that's the stability that we have that means we're not going to be tossed to and fro when every wind of doctrine comes knocking on our door right Oh, really? Oh, okay. Right? But if you know the word, it's like, wait a minute. The Bible says, right? If you're able to do that, it means you've been reading your Bible. You got some maturity there. Good job. That's what we need. Um, let's come to the eighth thing here. It involves honesty. Notice in verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Right? So this, this is not a fun thing, by the way. Speaking the truth, it is a fun thing, but there's times where it's not a fun thing. Uh, uh, for me, if when I'm talking to certain couples and, and there's sin involved, you got to be, you know, 
as a counselor, you gotta, you gotta, you know, it's like getting those brings out of the way and finding the heart of the issue and, and getting to the heart and what's going on here. And, but you gotta speak the truth. And sometimes the truth is like a sword and it stabs, man. And then it pulls out and you're like, ah, right? It's, it's, it's not fun at all. Uh, and I understand that. Uh, but we gotta do it anyways because we, we love them, right? If you love them, you're gonna speak the truth. If you don't love them, you're gonna lie. Be like, oh, Oh yeah, you'll be fine, right? No, but we got to speak the truth, uh, and, and we need to do this in love, and that's going to bring growth in our walks with the Lord as well as we take those steps of, of of you know speaking in truth. Let's come to the last thing here. It involves solidarity. Solidarity. Notice in verse sixteen, it says, "From whom the whole body, joined and knit together, but but." by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So when we have a walk worthy of this high, humble um, calling, there will be nine things that will be manifested in our lives. And so these are the, the byproducts, if you will, of having a high calling in the Lord, right? Of having a relationship with the Lord. These are not things that we do or work at or strive for, uh, or of, of having a, a high, you know, a walk with the Lord that's a high calling. It's something really that's a natural byproduct of the Holy Spirit working in your life. If you, John 15, if you guys remember, Pastor Dwight was talking about on Sunday, uh, about, you know, abiding in Christ. John chapter 15, we are to continue to draw near to the Lord, uh, draw near to his word, and what's going to happen naturally is all of these things are just going to naturally be happening to you. People are going to say, man, how come you didn't leave that person? How, how come you just didn't give up and just, what happened? Well, the Lord did that work, right? Before you were saved, you were up and out of there, right? You're like, goodbye, see ya. I don't deserve that, right? But now it's like, man, I don't deserve anything. <laughs> Everything that I have, oh, woe is me, Lord, right? And then you learn this word called contentment. And because of what Christ has done in you. And the world doesn't know that, right? They think we're strange because of these things. Uh, but, but as you draw near to the Lord, he's going he's gonna to do a work in you. And that's the work that we're talking about, right? So um, I pray you guys are encouraged. If you guys want to stand with me, um, continue to study this on your own. I gave you guys kind of just highlights of certain stuff. And there was a lot of the gifts there that uh, we could have kept drawing through and going through and uh, obviously, the tri, tri, uh, unity of, of the Godhead there, there's a lot there as well. So I challenge you guys to study the word uh, on your own as well. But let's pray and let's give this time to the Lord. Lord, thank you so much um, for this night and thank you for your word. Uh, what a reminder, Lord, of how much we, we do need you, Lord. There's so much going on in the world. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, against this virus that's going around as well. Um, Lord, there's so much hurt and pain and, and tears and, and, uh, uh, and at the same time, Lord, you know all things. You've allowed these things to happen on earth for, for in the end, it's for the good. And I know that people are coming to you because of it. And I ask uh, that you would strengthen the believers, Lord, that you'd bring healing to those who are, have humbled themselves, who are, have cried out to you, um, I pray that you would just, uh, Lord, through your spirit, may your will be done here on earth. 
And um, we just, we love you, Father. And we pray that you would go before us tonight. Um, I pray you watch over us, protect us, and uh, continue, Lord, to just keep us strong in your word, uh, especially living in these times, knowing that any minute, Lord, we can be out of here. But till then, Father, help us to be busy about your business. And uh, we love you, Lord, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Getting those brings out of the way and finding the heart of the issue and, and getting to the heart and what's going on here. And, but you got to speak the truth. And sometimes the truth is like a sword and it stabs, man. And then it pulls out and you're like, ah, right? It's, it's, it's not fun at all. Uh, and I understand that. Uh, but we got to do it anyways because we, we love them, right? If you love them, you're going to speak the truth. If you don't love them, you're going to lie. Be like, oh, yeah, you'll be fine, right? No, but we got to speak the truth. Uh, and, and we need to do this in love. And that's going to bring growth in our walks with the Lord as well as we take those steps of, of, of you know, speaking in truth. Let's come to the last thing here. It involves solidarity. Solidarity. Notice in verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by, by, by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So when we have a walk worthy of this high, humble um, calling, there will be nine things that will be manifested in our lives. And so these are the, the byproducts, if you will, of having a high calling in the Lord, right? Of having a relationship with the Lord. These are not things that we do or work at or strive for, uh, or of, of having a, a high you know, a walk with the Lord, that's a high calling. It's something really that's a natural byproduct of the Holy Spirit working in your life. If you, John 15, if you guys remember, Pastor Dwight was talking about on Sunday, uh, about, you know, abiding in Christ. John chapter 15, we are to continue to draw near to the Lord, uh, draw near to his word, and what's going to happen naturally is all of these things are just going to naturally be happening to you. People are going to say, man, how come you didn't leave that person? How, how come you just didn't give up and just, what happened? Well, the Lord did that work, right? Before you were saved, you were up and out of there, right? You're like, goodbye, see ya. I don't deserve that, right? But now it's like, man, I don't deserve anything. <laughs> Everything that I have, oh, woe is me, Lord, right? And then you learn this word called contentment. And because of what Christ has done in you. And the world doesn't know that, right? They think we're strange because of these things. Uh, but, but as you draw near to the Lord, he's going he's gonna to do a work in you. And that's the work that we're talking about, right? So um, I pray you guys are encouraged. If you guys want to stand with me, um, continue to study this on your own. I gave you guys kind of just highlights of certain stuff. And there was a lot of the gifts there that uh, we could have kept drawing through and going through and uh, obviously, the tri, tri, uh, unity of, of the Godhead there, there's a lot there as well. So I challenge you guys to study the word uh, on your own as well. But let's pray, and let's give this time to the Lord. Lord, thank you so much um, for this night, and thank you for your word. Uh, what a reminder, Lord, of how much we, we do need you, Lord. There's so much going on in the world. Uh, Lord, we pray uh, against this virus that's going around as well. Um, Lord, there's so much hurt and pain and, and tears and, and, uh, 
Uh, and at the same time, Lord, you know all things. You've allowed these things to happen on earth for, for in the end, it's for the good. And I know that people are coming to you because of it. And I ask uh, that you would strengthen the believers, Lord, that you'd bring healing to those who are, have humbled themselves, who are, have cried out to you. Um, I pray that you would just, uh, Lord, through your spirit, may your will be done here on earth. And um, we just, we love you, Father. And we pray that you would go before us tonight. Um, I pray you watch over us, protect us, and uh, continue, Lord, to just keep us strong in your word, uh, especially living in these times, knowing that any minute, Lord, we can be out of here. But till then, Father, help us to be busy about your business. And uh, we love you, Lord, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.